world and I could have all the power in the world. I could possess anything in the world I wanted. I could change the way I looked. I could get a new body. I could drive any car I wanted. The one thing that I would ask for is the ability to love. The person who possesses the ability to love other people is very, very powerful. It was Jesus Christ's ability to love other people that makes Him the most well-loved figure of all history and that makes Him the most powerful individual that has ever lived. It was His love. He knew how to love others. Of all of the things that I try to instill in my children, of all of the priorities on my list of what I want them to acquire, there is one that's far and above all others, and that is their ability to love one another and their ability to love other people. While others might be concerned about a child's grades, while others might be concerned about a child's abilities and talents, my number one concern of my children, whether they get A's or C's, is do they see love in their father? Do they know how to love? Because I realize that unless they learn to love, unless they acquire that ability, no matter what else they accomplish in life, it will be meaningless. I also know that if they understand how to love others, as expressed through their care and their kindness and their concern for other people, I know for a fact that there is nothing that they will not be able to accomplish in life and that they will be truly loved and admired. Because love, you see, is the greatest human need. Every one of us in this room, our greatest need and desire is to be loved. If you learn to fulfill that human need in others, if you learn to give what others are longing for, I promise you that you will be well-liked, you will be admired, and people will respond to you. But the question remains, the first question we must answer today is, just what is love? Have you ever asked yourself that? Just what is love? I want to talk about just a few of the definitions that our society uses for love that we are very familiar with, that we've come to expect when we hear the word love. One of its most frequent uses is in the lyrics to music and in books with reference to sex. Let's make love. Let me love you. And we hear it over and over again. We've heard it so often that we make love synonymous with sex. But in our society, sex is anything but an expression of love. It is more an expression of our ultimate selfishness. Because if it was an expression of true love, true love would wait to express itself in the bonds of a committed marital relationship. Second use of love is we tell someone, I love you. And the words sound nice, but as we go through life, we begin to understand what it means. It means, I love you, you're, you're pretty. I love you because you're attractive. I love you because you're successful. I love you because you dress right. I love you because you treat me nice. Growing up as a child, I love you because you get good grades. I love you because, you know, you don't make a fool out of yourself. But you and I both know 
that when you don't make the grade, that when your job performance doesn't go well, that when you aren't very pretty, that when your looks fade, that when your health fails, watch out. Because love fails. You see, that's what we call a conditional love. It has all these strings attached. As long as you measure up, you're fine. When you don't, it's gone. That's not love. That again is selfishness. But we've become so used to it that we think it's love. A third definition of love, when we use the word, we sound falling in love. We mean we're trying to describe a feeling, how we feel about someone. How many times I have counseled couples or one or the other of the spouse thinking of divorce. And their words to me will be, well, I just don't love them anymore. I'm just not attracted to her anymore. I just don't feel love anymore. It's all the feelings again of our marriage. And again, what are we saying? I've allowed the hurts. I've allowed the pain. I don't love you anymore. I don't care about you anymore. You don't measure up. We no longer have the emotions, so we no longer bring, bring any action to our love. Again, none of these really describe to us what love really is, but that's what most people settle for in their life. That's what most people think of when they think of love. The real definition to love is found in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it is truly reflected to us its meaning in the life of Jesus Christ and the life of the Apostle Paul. And I'd like to share with you what that passage says. It says, Love is very patient and love is very kind. Love does not boast and Love is not proud and love is not stuffy and stuck up. Love is not rude. Love is considerate and polite. Love is not irritable. Love is not touchy. Love doesn't get angry. Love is not selfish. Love never demands its own way. Love will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. In fact, love keeps no records of the wrongs done to it. Love doesn't rejoice in injustice, but love rejoices in justice and truth. Love believes all things. Love has unquenchable faith. It will endure no matter what you do to it. It's hopeful in all circumstances. It believes. It perseveres. It will defend someone no matter what. It will always remain devoted and loyal. Love never fails. Now that's the Bible's definition of love. We learn two things from that definition. Number one, this love is not emotions. This love is not conditional. It is unconditional. It is a love that no matter what you do to it, it will love you in return. It's a love that's self-sacrificial. And it keeps loving. And it keeps loving. Now, wouldn't it be great if there was someone in your life who loved you like that? Wouldn't it be fantastic if there were people in the world who loved like that? You can become that kind of a person. That is precisely what I mean when I say if you become that kind of a person, I promise you, people will respond to you. They will like you. They will want to be with you. They will admire you. Not because of your looks, not because you talk right or act right or you have the right clothes or the right education, but because you know how to love. I would like to spend the rest of our time 
filling into the attributes of love in real life day-to-day living. Because in order for you and I to become what we need to be, we must really understand what it is we need to become. And we need to understand how it will affect other people. And you'll understand when I'm through this morning how powerful you can become if you learn to love. The first statement that I want to make this morning regarding love is this. Love always strives to make other people's lives pleasant, happy, and successful. Love always strives to make other people's lives pleasant, happy, and successful. Basically, love puts other people first. No matter how much you provoke love, love does not throw its hands up in frustration and disgust. It does not say, I've had it with you. Going through the grocery line when someone makes a big mistake and you're going to be 10 minutes late to a meeting and you were just trying to make a quick stop at the quick shop and it turns out to be a long one, you don't get irritated. You don't get provoked. You respond with kindness. Love goes out of its way to care about other people. Love goes out of its way to help other people. It will do what's ever necessary to contribute to the success of other people because love's greatest joy is that other people succeed. Love is friendly and outgoing. I want to share with you a little example. I was with my son the other day. We kind of have a date day on Mondays. I rotate with my children. I had to run a few errands, so I took him with me. And while I was in the the store, the grocery store, I had him go to the pet store. I walked into the pet store, and there's other adults in the pet store. And one of my favorite pastimes is watching people. I really, I'm an observer. I like to take in. It's how I learn so many things and I, and I get a lot of ideas for my messages by watching people. And I watched as the adults, full-grown, you know, adults, mature, go up to these little puppies. Hello there. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, I just want to take him home. Oh, look at that little kitten. It's so cute. It's amazing our love for animals. But what amazes me more is our disdain for people. How many of you, when you go to the grocery store, smile at everybody you see? How many of you, when you go to the bank, smile at people? People are the greatest creation God ever made. And I figure this. If God cared about people enough to die for them, I ought to care enough to smile at them. But we're intimidated. We're fearful. We didn't have the time. Someone might look at me weird and, and I don't know, I get intimidated. What do you look like when you're driving down the freeway? Look at yourself sometime in the mirror. You might be surprised. You might really be surprised. That's one of my pastimes. When I'm zooming down the highway, smiling at people that kind of look. It's so funny. Or, you know, you wave to people and, and they, they'll kind of go, do, do I know you? It's, it's really bizarre. Or you're walking. I always try to make it happen when I go to the grocery store. To, to greet people, say hello to people, whether men or women. I don't care. And they'll kind of, you'll smile. And sometimes they'll look away real quick and they'll look back. And I'm still smiling. And they'll smile and go, how are you today? Oh, well, fine. You get into a conversation. I want to share with you a couple reasons why we don't smile. 
This will change your impact on people. Number one, we don't think about it. You don't even think about it. We just get so used to see what do we got to going through life smug with a frown that we don't smile. We don't think about it unless, of course, it's to Mr. Right or Miss Right. You know, then we turn on the charm. See, but that's not genuine. Because if you're not really that way, you're not really that way. Don't ever forget that. If you won't smile at the least of these, my brethren, you don't care about the greatest. See, our love is so conditional. Another reason we don't smile is because we're afraid. We're afraid of how we look. I want to share something very personal with you. I, I, I never told, I, I only told a small group last week. I've never told a group this size. But... <clears throat> I don't even know if my wife knows this. When I was growing up, I used to get teased a lot. When I was in high school, I had acne real bad. And I also had overgrown teeth, if you haven't noticed. And uh, everybody would make fun of me. So I never, there's no pictures of me during high school. None. I would allow no one to take my picture. Whenever there's a camera, I'd leave. And I didn't smile at people because I was really paranoid about my teeth. And about the way I look. You see, we get our confidence so often comes from our coolness. And we're not cool, we're not confident. If you don't think that's true, put braces on sometime and see how much you smile. Hi. How are you? I remember one time I got into a bad accident, knocked, and knocked my teeth right out, my two front teeth, just knocked them out. No blood or nothing, or I would have passed out. But it just knocked them clean out. And, and the girl who had pulled in front of me, I knew her. I had reached out to her at this uh, video store that I worked at in the evenings. And, and uh, I knew I was going to have to get out of the car, but I, my teeth are gone. You ever looked at yourself with that teeth? It's like, ah, I'm bad. You know? And I felt so gross. And it was like winter out. And I had to get out. And, how, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. No, no, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. Fortunately, there's a uh, Joan Vanekamp worked at the dentist and I, and I felt I could go to her, but man, I was totally embarrassed. See, we get so self-conscious that we don't. So that's one of the reasons why we don't. We're paranoid about, we don't think we look good enough. Listen, a smile warms anybody. A smile will warm people. But there's another reason why we don't smile. And it's a very selfish reason. Fear is very selfish, first of all. Second of all, it's because when we go to the grocery store and we go to Target, you know what we're doing? We're anxious. We're worried. We've got a lot of things to do. And we're all caught up in our day, in our own life. We don't have the time to smile. i got stuff to get done. And we'll go through the checkout and often we don't even smile at the person who's waiting on us. I've been amazed as I've... I try to shop regularly at certain places so I get to know the, the people that are waiting on me. And as I go down to Target, we usually go to down to Target, it's one of the places to stop for errands on our date day. So all my kids have been in there with me at different times. And we go through the checkout and we always smile at the checkout lady. And there's about five people now who every time we're down there will always call us by name and say, come over through our line. Come over through our line. And, and they go, well, how's your daughter today? Well, how's your other daughter? They don't even know all of our names. It's only been about seven times, six times I've been in there. But we're always friendly. We always smile. See, people remember that. Love is pleasant. You see? Love forces itself to be pleasant because when you're unpleasant, you're not making other people's lives pleasant and happy. And if your goal is to make other people's lives pleasant and happy, that means you've got to be cheerful. 
See, and that's what love is. I was amazed the other day I was sharing this at a class that I do on how to win friends, how to influence people. And one of the young ladies that was at the class went to work the next day. And there was a gentleman who came in. She's a receptionist. And she warmly smiled at him like we talked about in class. And, and she said hello. And they, he engaged her in conversation. For about five or ten minutes they talked. And then he had his appointment. The next day, she got a call from him on the phone. And he said, listen... I'm real sorry, I, I wanted to send you flowers, but I didn't get a chance. And she said, what do you want to send me flowers for? He goes, well, for the other day. Well, what did I do the other day? He said, well, you smiled at me, and that was the best conversation I've had in years. I want to tell you, men and women, we live in a very cold, callous, calculating world. You can change that, and you will totally change the way people respond to you if you learn to smile, if you learn to give, if you learn to be pleasant, if you're friendly and outgoing. Listen, love always initiates first. A smile initiates. There are two basic ways we communicate in life. We communicate with our mouth and our words, and we communicate with our body. We communicate with our face and our expressions. Love uses it all to communicate. A smile opens the door. A smile opens the door to an individual that I care about you, or hi, or how are you, or it's a welcome face. But we get so used to ignoring people. Love initiates. It doesn't wait around for people to notice it. It's always going out of its way to notice others. Love is always giving of itself. Love does not ever wait to see what it can get from other people. Love is always trying to invest in others. Love is sincere. You can tell a phony a mile off. But I want to tell you, people today are looking for authenticity. They're looking for reality. They're looking for someone who is real through and through. Love is that. Love is sincere. Love is genuinely happy when other people succeed. Not only is it happy, but it goes out of its way to make other people successful. Love always, always looks out for the interests of others. Love is not irritated or easily irritated or touchy. It's not moody. You can count on it. It's consistent. I like this little saying, love is grudge-free. Love is grudge-free. It carries no grudges. It refuses bitterness. It refuses resentment. It refuses holding anything against someone else. Love readily and freely forgives and forgets. Love's greatest opportunity is when other people fail it. When other people you're counting on let you down. That is love's hour of opportunity. I want to ask you to think just for a moment, what would your marriage be like if you loved like this? What would your relationships be like if you looked out for their interests? Oh, I want you to succeed. Oh, but no, I want you to succeed. Oh, I want you to be happy. Oh, I want you to be happy. And you are pleasant. I'll tell you, you revolutionize your marriage. You will revolutionize your work environment. You will revolutionize the way people interact with you. And you will become a dynamic, powerful person if you learn how to love. The second statement that I want to make about love is this. Love always expresses confidence in other people. <coughs> love refuses to be negative. 
Love refuses to be negative. Love is always positive. Love, no matter how bleak the circumstances look, love is hopeful. Love is filled with hope. Love expresses confidence in other people. Love believes in other people. Love appreciates other people. Love uses its mouth to uplift and encourage and build up other people. Love is always cheerful and uplifting and encouraging. It never grumbles or complains. It never griping about someone. It always tries to build them up. It always expresses to them, I believe in you. I'm for you. Boy, you did that good. Love focuses on the good in others. Anyone can focus on the negatives. Love focuses on the positives. Love focuses on what's good in other people. As Philippians says, whatever's good and whatever's lovely and whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent in others, think about these things. That's love. That's what love does. Love inspires other people. Love builds their confidence. Love takes an individual who's not very confident, doesn't have very much self-esteem, and it builds them up into this strong, dynamic individual. I want to share with you a little illustration, a little story to illustrate the power of love and the power of expressing confidence in people. There was this auctioneer at an estate sale and mostly what he was auctioning off were antiques. One of the things that he was auctioning off was an old violin. And it was scratched and marred and as it was very ugly. He started the bidding off at $15 and no one bid and he moved to 11 and no one bid. And he moved to 8 and no one bid. He moved to 5 and no one bid. Finally said, who will give me a dollar? Just a dollar. It's got to be worth a dollar. And nobody bid. An old gentleman in the crowd got up from his seat and walked to the front. He picked up the violin and the auctioneer wondered what he was doing. He began to pluck the string and tune the violin. He tightened the bow, the hair on the bow, and rosined the hair. He put it under his chin and he began to play. And he could, it's just as if he danced on the strings. And the sound that came to that violin was unbelievable. It was angelic. It was extraordinary. And the people in the crowd were stunned. And then one person raised their hand and said, I'll give a hundred. Another person said, well, I'll give three. Another said, I'll give five. Six hundred. Eight hundred. 950. A thousand. I'll give a thousand. The auctioneer said once, twice, sold for a thousand dollars. And in the course of a few moments, this man was able to take this violin that a few moments ago no one would give a dollar for, and now someone would pay a thousand for. What did he know? He knew this. He was a master. And he knew the potential that was in that violin. He saw what no one else saw. That's the power of love. Love sees in other people what no one else sees. How many of us, how many in society have just been wadded up and thrown into a corner by society? Love comes along. It sees that individual. It sees that person. And it reaches out to them. And it builds them up. And it puts life into them. And before you know it, they turn into someone magnificent right before your very eyes. It's like taking two logs, identical logs, 
big trees. One craftsman over here, he makes it into a beautiful canoe. And this man over here, all he knows how to do is chop it into firewood. The same logs, one has a skill that the other does not. You know how many marriages in America have fallen apart? Not because it wasn't meant to be, but because we did not acquire the skill to love. And we can acquire that skill. Every single one of us can learn to love. Every single one of us can grow in our capacity to love. You will make other people great if you learn to love. I have watched people since I've been in ministry and had the opportunity and the privilege to be involved in people's lives. And I've watched people who have had the most tragic backgrounds you can imagine. People who have been physically beaten and abused by their parents. People who have been victims of incest and rape, chemically abusive, and the list could go on and on and on. Their self-esteem is gone. They don't have any. And I have watched their lives change and blossom into this gorgeous rose, into this beautiful carnation, that if you saw them today, you'd wonder. You must have always been like that. That's the power of love, my friends. Love is the most powerful force in the world. And if you learn to love, I promise you this, the world will beat a path to your door. People will long to be around you. You don't have to have all the looks. You don't have to have the possessions. You don't have to have the knowledge. You don't have to have money. You must have love. And if you have love, people will love you back. You could change the world. You'd imagine for a moment what our world would be like if we loved like this. You imagine what this auditorium would be like if we loved like this. Imagine what our families would be like if we loved like this. Imagine what our work environment would be like if we loved like this. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how to develop love in your life. Obviously, it doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to get it. You need to know how to develop it. You need to know how to acquire it in your life. All you know today is what you need to become. And you've been motivated to know, that's what I need to become. I can see it, but how do I get it? Next week we'll talk about that. Please don't miss next week. Because you'll be able to learn tangibly how to develop love in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much.